Hello, my name is Vance Need, and welcome to episode four of the PS Plus, a Living Faith Bible Institute podcast that serves as a companion to another called the Postscript. Now on that podcast, pastor and host Brandon Briscoe speaks with other pastors and professors from the Living Faith Bible Institute on a wide array of topics related to Christianity and ministry. On this podcast, the PS Plus will take a look at some of the conversations that are being had over at the Postscript, and we'll continue those conversations a little bit more. In episodes 53, 55, and 56 of The Postscript, Pastor Brandon is speaking with Pastor Alan Shelby of Harvest Baptist Church on the Charismatic Movement and Charismatic Theology. Now, there's a lot with that movement that we don't agree with, and one of the reasons why we don't is because this concept of dispensationalism that we talked about in the previous episode of the PS Plus, and we're going to continue that conversation about dispensationalism today. So, let's go ahead and get started. As we begin our discussion today, I'm going to go ahead and assume that you listened to the previous episode. Now, for those of you that maybe haven't, we'll do a quick overview of some of the concepts, but definitely go back and listen to get a fuller picture. So as we're talking about dispensationalism, let's go ahead and define it really quickly. Dispensationalism is a systematic method by which the Bible can be interpreted based on clearly observed patterns in Scripture. And dispensationalism is reliant on dispensations a period of time in which a designated steward has a responsibility in the administration of God's kingdom. Now, we talked about a lot of the distinctives of dispensationalism, and we also talked about the specific structure and pattern of every single dispensation. Now, our proof text was Luke chapter 16, verses 1 and 2. You can check that out as you have time. But the structure of a dispensation is pretty simple. First, there is a steward who is given a task by God to accomplish. There is a failure by the steward to accomplish that task. The steward is held accountable, and there's a judgment that happens as a result of that failure. And a new steward is designated and tasked with fulfilling God's purpose. Now, over these next few episodes of the PS Plus, we're going to be taking a look at each of the seven dispensations, and we'll be looking at the dispensations of innocence and conscience today. Now, regarding the dispensation of innocence, we find this in Genesis chapters 1 through 3. And there's a lot that happens here, you know, like the creation of the cosmos and all the stuff that exists in it. There's a whole bunch that goes on in these chapters. But in regards to the structure of a dispensation, we find our first steward in Adam. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And we talked about this a little bit in jest last time, but there literally is no other dude but Adam. He's definitely going to be our steward. And like any steward, he's given a task simply to be fruitful and multiply. And we find this in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. And God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Now, in addition to this task that Adam is given, he's also given parameters to accomplish it and the consequences of his disobedience. In Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 through 17, it says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Regarding the commandments that God has given throughout Scripture, these dudes have it pretty easy. Adam and Eve have a really simple commandment. You can eat these things, don't eat this thing. And of course, we know how the story goes. We see the failure of the steward in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. 
So this, of course, is a tragedy, and really, we've been feeling the effects of this ever since. Now, because the steward has failed, there is a judgment that takes place. And we find that judgment in Genesis chapter 3, verses 22 through 24. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil. And now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. So with that, we find the ending of the dispensation of innocence and a beginning of a brand new dispensation, the dispensation of conscience. And we're going to find this located in Genesis chapter 4 through about chapter 8, verse 14. So as we begin to look at this dispensation, we can identify the chief stewards as Adam's descendants. So we're going to see this primarily in the persons of both Cain and Abel. In Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, it says this, and Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Now, before we continue on and identify the specific task that was given, it's important that we get a little bit more backstory. And we're in luck because if we just keep reading on in the passage, we'll get it. So in verse 3, it says this, And in process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and his offering. But unto Cain and his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? So here in verse 7, we find the task of the steward. If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. So we see in this passage that God has simply noticed that Cain has a pouty face and has just said, yo, man, do well. This is a very, very clear command that's given by God, and it is disobeyed right quick. In Genesis chapter 4, verse 8, it says, And Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. So now we're not clear as far as how much time passed, but what we know is that God had a path for Cain to follow, and he just decided not to take it at all. Think about that for a second. The very first family on the planet Earth in Cain and Abel, and a murder takes place. Now, in addition to seeing this failure for Cain and Abel, we also see this failure for humanity as a whole. And if we continue reading on in Genesis, when we get to chapter 6, we'll find that mankind as a whole is not following after God. They're not doing good at all. Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 and 6 says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. So not only do we see that Cain kills his brother Abel, but in the process of time as mankind continues to reproduce, it's nothing but a whole bunch of evil folks doing evil things all the time. Now, there is a judgment that we see both to Cain and later to mankind as a whole. Take a look at verse 11 of Genesis chapter 4. God speaking to Cain says, And now art thou cursed from the earth which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. 
when thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt that be in the earth. And we also see later on, again in alignment with Genesis chapter 6, a judgment for mankind as a whole. Genesis chapter 6 verse 7 it says, And the Lord God said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. Now we know this to be the flood in the Bible, the one that annihilates all of mankind and hits a reset button on how the human race is going to go. And this is also where we're introduced to Noah in Genesis chapter 6, verse 8. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So this is something interesting about this dispensation. It's something that we'll find with a lot of dispensations. There's almost like a bleeding between one dispensation and the next dispensation. So even though Noah is alive in the dispensation of conscience, he's actually, as we'll see next time, a steward of the dispensation of human government. So here's what I find very interesting about the dispensation of innocence and conscience. In the former, Adam and Eve were dropped into a perfect environment. Literally everything was perfect, and yet they still were drawn into sin. In the latter dispensation, Cain had a conversation with God, and God told him what the answer is. If you want to be accepted, just do good. And Cain still manages to murder his brother. And as we're observing these patterns in Scripture, one of the things that we find, and one of the things that Scripture very much attests to, is that mankind is simply not good. We have no ability to be good in and of ourselves, and we will always find ourselves going down the wrong road. But in that, I think one thing that we can see is just how desperately we need God to intervene on our behalf, because without Him, we are lost. And that's why I am so grateful that in the dispensation of grace that we'll talk about in just a few short episodes, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross, to live a life of perfection that we could never live and pay a penalty that we could never afford. So that's going to be our show for today. And I want to thank you so much for taking the time to listen. If you are curious about dispensationalism and want to do a little bit more research, some resources that we mentioned last time, I'll go ahead and mention those again. A book called Dispensationalism by Charles Ryrie is going to be a great resource for you, as well as a class in the Living Faith Bible Institute called Systematic and Dispensational Theology, taught by none other than Alan Shelby. To get more information about LFBI, I'd encourage you to visit lfbi.org. There you can find more about our philosophy and some of the classes that you can take. Again, thanks so much for joining us, and we'll talk to you next time.